Thank you, young people. Good to be with you. Have a seat, please. So honored to be here. I thank God for Lancaster Baptist Church, for West Coast Baptist College, and you really are in a wonderful place. There's no place on earth like this place, and I thank God for it. Thank God for the friends that we've made over the years here and the privilege to uh, partner with them in ministry and training young people, and uh, it's a joy to be here with you today. I uh, wanted to give you just a brief word of testimony that maybe will be a help to you in the way that the Lord uh, called me. I was in Bible college uh, for, I was in a, my home church for 10 years in Florida, graduated there, and then waiting on the Lord to see what he'd have me to do. And um, through uh, a preacher from the Pacific Northwest traveling around the country visiting Bible colleges challenging young men to come out to the needy Northwest. That's what kind of shifted my focus that direction. And long story short, ended up there. And uh, God led us there. And, and now we've been serving there for 35 years. We praise the Lord for the ministry God has given us. And I just want to challenge young men that there's still a great need. It's one of the neediest areas in our country is in the Pacific Northwest. And we would love to help you. Uh, if, you, if God would lead you to start a church there or to be part of ministry there, there's some great bunch of guys in the Northwest who would be more than happy to assist you, pray for you, support you, help you any way you could. And uh, if you're interested in that, please see me after chapel. I'd be happy to connect with you and just pray with you about the future what God has for you. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles this morning to the uh, book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18 this morning. Here we have the story of the potter and the clay in Jeremiah 18, beginning with verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. So we see here the potter and the clay. Of course, the Bible makes many comparisons between the physical and, and the spiritual world. So we know that just as a baby is born into a human family, uh, that we must be born again into God's family. And then as a baby uh, needs uh, nourishment to, to grow as a, as a little infant, God tells us to uh, be in the milk of the word and later graduate on to the meat of the word of God. And, uh, and, and as, a, as a child needs to grow to be healthy, so do we as God's people. And one of the marks of maturity in a person's life spiritually is when their focus shifts from themselves to others. Little babies are all about themselves. They're born into this world, and they, they think that they are the center of attention, and they are. But as a person begins to grow and develop and mature, they begin to realize there's other people and they focus more on others and helping them rather than thinking life is all about themselves. There's stages of realization in the Christian life. When a person realizes he saved me personally, what a wonderful thing that is. I was saved 
as a young adult at the age of 19, and it was a wonderful day in my life, the most wonderful day of my life. But then we graduate on from being all consumed with the idea of being saved to the idea that he is working in my life as an individual. We begin to sense the Spirit of God moving and working and leading us and guiding us and convicting us and helping us in all the areas of our lives. But then we graduate on from that to realizing that he is doing an eternal work. What God is doing in me, it's going to impact eternity. And so I want to be in tune with God to be sure that I can be used of God to have the greatest impact possible on God's eternal work. So God sent Jeremiah to the potter's house to observe and there he saw many similarities to God's working in our lives. And this is just a a personal message today on God working in your life. Notice first the making of the vessel. He wrought a work on the wheels. There in verse 3 it says he wrought. And aren't you glad that God is wrought, God is working right now in your life and in mine just as that potter was working on that lump of clay on that potter's wheel. God is at work. And then he calls it a work. It's a ministry. If, you were to, if someone were to ask me, what is your ministry? I'd say, well, I'm a pastor, and, uh, and I'm a pastor of a church, and the church is my ministry. If you talk to a Sunday school teacher, what is your ministry? I'm a, I'm a teacher, and, and my ministry is my class. And I'm thankful that you and I can look at this as us being the ministry of God. God is working in you as a ministry. And he is, or rather, we are his workmanship. We're the product of his work. Ephesians 2.10, we, we thank God that we're saved by grace through faith, but then God goes on to say that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We are the result of God working in us. We're created in Christ Jesus, and the purpose of that is unto good works. Years ago, I saw this uh, picture of this little kid sitting there, and he said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. And it was an anti-abortion poster, and I'm glad that God don't make no junk. You're created in the image of God, and God is molding and working in your life. And so as Jeremiah observes this potter, he goes on to say that this potter was doing this work on the wheels in verse 3. Now, potter's wheel, nowadays, uh, potters, they have, they have an electric motor that turns the wheel. It's just a tabletop kind of a set. But back in the day, a potter's wheel, you had the potter's wheel and a shaft connected to a larger wheel called the flywheel down below, and the potter would begin to kick that flywheel, and as it would spin and maintain the momentum, the wheel that he had the clay on began to spin, and he would be working on that. And there's several things to observe about the potter working this clay on the wheel. It's repetitious. 
And a lot of life you're going to find in the ministry. I mean, uh, I was once a young preacher in Bible college, and I understand the zeal that consumes you and how God uh, puts a fire in your bones and you can't wait to get out there and, and change the world and, and, and you tend to get consumed with the, with the fantastic things of life. But the truth is a lot of life and even a lot of ministry is repetitious. It's just day to day over and over doing the same thing. That's why the Lord commended not the talented servant, not the gifted servant, but the faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are you going to be faithful doing what you need to do day after day, repetitiously in the ministry to get the work of God done? And also, like the potter's wheel, honestly, sometimes in life, don't you feel like you're going in circles? You want to go there, but sometimes it seems like you're not getting there quite as quickly as you would like to. I think one of the tendencies of young preachers is impatience because there's a zeal that's in our souls, a fire that makes us want to go and do great exploits for God. And thank God for that. Don't let that fire die down. But by the same token, allow God to work in your life. And sometimes it'll seem that you're going in circles. And another thing about the potter's wheel as I was uh, looking at this, uh, it goes a lot slower than I had thought. Somehow I had the idea of a potter's wheel really spinning quickly. It doesn't at all. A potter's wheel is, is at a pace like this. And that potter, he works on that lump of clay a little bit at a time. He doesn't dive in there. He just slowly molds and shapes it a little bit at a time. And God, a little bit at a time, is working in your life to mold you and shape you into the vessel he wants you to be. Notice the vessel in verse number four, and the vessel that he made. A vessel is something that is prepared for work. And God right now is preparing you for something. He's working in your life, getting you ready for what's down the road in the life ahead. And you can't see that, and I can't see that, but aren't you glad the Lord can see that? And as he's preparing you for that work ahead, you stay on that wheel and allow him to work you. God is preparing us, and God tells us about being vessels for the Lord in 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. God is preparing you. God is working in you, molding and shaping you for the work that he has for you in the future. And so here we are, vessels, on the potter's wheel, the Lord is molding and shaping us, preparing us for work that he has. And a vessel is something that is made to contain things. It is something that is made for a purpose. And God made us as vessels to be filled with his spirit. I want to challenge you every day of your life. Wake up. Ask God to fill you with his spirit to give you the power of God to be able to do what is ahead for that day. You and I don't know what a day may face, but God does. And God wants to fill you with the Spirit so that you're operating not in the flesh, but in the Spirit of God. 
We're also vessels to carry the gospel. Everywhere you go, you're a vessel that is carrying the gospel. Take that gospel message with you and be willing to give it to a lost world. And then we are vessels also to be carried where he wants. As I make my coffee in the kitchen at my Keurig, I wait for it, and then it comes out, and I put the creamer in it, and then the creamer cooled it off, so I put it in the microwave to heat it back up. And then I take that cup of coffee, and I may go sit at the kitchen table to study or to read something. I may go to sit on the couch to relax. And wherever I go, I take that vessel and put it where I want. Wherever I want that vessel to be, that's where it's going to be. Allow the Lord to steer and guide in your life and to carry you where he wants you to go. Sometimes it may not seem right, but you trust God and allow him to carry you where he wants to carry you. And I notice in verse 4 also that this vessel was made of clay, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Sometimes we'll refer to somebody and their humanity and saying that, well, we, we all have feet of clay. Yes, we do. We have feet of clay. We're, we are mere human beings. Psalm 103 and verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. And I'm so glad that the Lord pities us. He he has compassion on us. The great song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, comes from Lamentations 3. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you thankful that his compassions fail not? He remembers what we're made of, and when we stumble and fall and fail, he remembers, oh, they're made of dust, and, and he has compassion on us, and, 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 and he knows our frame. He knows our frame better than we know our frame. There are times in life you just have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but you know me better than I know me, and God, I need you in this hour. I need thee every hour. Lord, help me in this, uh, in this difficulty that I'm facing in my life. And then he remembers that we are dust. And you know, on occasion, it would serve us well to remember also that we are dust. That's a good, healthy exercise. It's good to be humble at times. And again, I know as, as, as young, young men filled with fire for the ministry, it, it's like we're ready to charge the gates of hell with a squirt gun and thank God for that zeal that you have. But not, at times, it's good for us to eat a little bit of dust and be humbled in life. I remember the year Y2K. It really stands out in my mind as... Uh, maybe some of you were born since then, but that was a big thing on the radar. Y2K, it had to do with the fact that computers had been around for about 50 years with, with double-digit years, and suddenly they realized we're changing centuries. We're going to have to reprogram all these computers in the world to have four-year dates instead of two-year dates, and it cost caused a, a big hullabaloo, and all the world was waiting for the whole world to shut down at midnight 2000. Well, midnight 2000 came and midnight 2000 went. I think that was the biggest non-event ever in my life. It was a nothing event. But in my personal life, 
Y2K was a big event because uh, what had happened is, is that year, uh, I, was, I was short on, on the help that I needed and, and long on responsibilities, and I just began to take on more and more and more and found myself waking up in the wee hours of the morning early, getting up and going, and, and, and going till late at night and, and, and going to bed. And, and I allowed the work of the Lord, if nothing else, get this one statement, I allowed the work of the Lord to crowd out my time with the Lord. Don't ever allow the work of the Lord to crowd out your time with the Lord. And I went through that year just depending more and more on me and less and less on him. And in December of 2000, I came crashing down like a big sack of potatoes. I, I, just, I just hit the wall and slid to the floor. And I was no good. I was out of action for about three weeks. Just I, had, I was so depleted mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, in every kind of a way, so empty and depleted, I had nothing left to give. And I'm so thankful for folks who recognize what was happening, just say, here, we've got it covered, we'll take care of it. You just need to get some rest, recuperation, spend some time with the Lord, and I, I thank God for that. I learned that the arm of flesh will fail you, as the song says, and Brethren from around the country, including Pastor Chaplin, other friends and, and from the Northwest, uh, just reached out in a very loving way, many kind gestures of kindness and love and concern and prayer, and, and, and the Lord rejuvenated my spirit. Thank the Lord, after a few weeks, I was able to get back in the saddle and slowly get back up to speed and, and get going for the Lord again. And, and out of that, that great trial in my life, I learned two major things. One was the love of the brethren. And never in my life had I ever experienced such an outpouring and outreaching of, of love, of just kindness, of preacher brethren from all different corners. And, and I just uh, really valued that and thank God for the friends in ministry. But a second lesson that I learned, and, and you may have to learn this in your life, and that is how frail I am. Feet of clay. Feet of clay. Psalm 39, verse number 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. And I think, honestly, up to that point in my life, I'd had different seasons of trials and difficulties and weaknesses and so forth, but never in my life had it become such a reality of, hey, I'm really a frail creature I need the Lord more, more than I realize. I need thee every hour, and you and I need him. And don't, don't wait till you hit a wall and slide to the floor before you realize how frail you are and how desperately you need the hand of God upon your life every day of your life. I want you to notice as Jeremiah continued to observe this, this potter with this lump of clay on the wheel, Notice the marring of the vessel. It says the vessel, in verse 4, was marred in the hands of the potter. You know, with real potters, sometimes marring is by accident. They'll go a little too deep with an instrument to try to gouge a little ridge in something, or they'll, they'll make the walls of a vessel too, too, too thin, and they'll mar that vessel by accident. 
sometimes. They'll do it by design. They'll realize this isn't going the way I want it, and they'll just stick an instrument or the hands into it, and that lump of clay goes swirling everywhere in just a big lump of clay. But with God, marring is always by design. When you're on his potter's wheel and he mars you, he doesn't make any mistakes. It's never by accident. His marring in your life and my life is always by design. He's molding and shaping us. And sometimes that marring can be painful in our lives. He's molding a masterpiece. And he's working on with imperfect material with the goal of perfection. And so he mars us, and there's different kinds of marring that God uses. The Apostle Paul spoke about his thorn in the flesh where he besought the Lord three times to remove it. And instead of removing the thorn, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. But as Paul talked about this situation, as he experienced the grace of God and the power of God, because he was at the end of his own power, he went on to describe how he learned to embrace the marring that God brought into his life. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And so there he mentions five specific conditions and instances that God used in his life to mar him to be a thorn in his side. And the Lord will use these to mar us in the process of molding us. He's molding a masterpiece, but he uses marring in that process. There's the marring of infirmities. This is talking about weaknesses. It can be a physical weakness. It can be a weakness in some other area of your life. I've, I've got a few uh, uh, medical conditions, and, and one I kind of wrestled with for a, for a while with, with some allergies that really hindered me. And I used to complain about that and think, oh, I, was, I can't wait to get to heaven to get rid of this. And finally, the Lord, the Lord uh, reminded me of Paul saying, hey, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. And that is a game changer when you in your life have an infirmity and you begin to embrace that and take pleasure in that and say, thank you, Lord, for this condition. It's a game changer in your mindset and in your life. It's a marring that God will use to bring you to him. He mentioned the marring of reproaches. That's insults. Anybody in here ever been insulted? Maybe by a roommate? Maybe by a coworker, maybe by a family member. None of us likes insults, but sometimes the Lord will use the marring of an insult to get us to do some contemplating of what's this all about, Lord? Why did this happen? He mentions the marring of necessities. Those are unmet needs. And I know usually right before a big exam, there's a real unmet need. Lord, I need, a, I need an A on this, amen? Or maybe it's time to pay that final college bill and, and you don't have the funds and there's that unmet need and you're, you're sweating out, Lord, uh, is this need going to be met? God will mar you through unmet needs, through necessities to bring you to him, to depend on him, to meet that need. 
There's, there's the marring of persecutions. Those are people problems. Could be coworkers, could be roommates, could be other folks in your life where you've, there's, some, there's some friction there. There's uh, some people that don't like you so much and they're happy to tell you about that. People problems. God will use those to mar us, to get us to come to him for his help. And then he mentioned distresses. Now I know nobody in this room has this one. It's the short term of it today, we hear a lot about it, is stress. I know there's not a person in this room that experiences stress. Amen? The stress of time pressure, the stress of studies, the stress of work, the stress of your schedule, all the things going on in your life. They bring stress into your life, and God will use those to mar you on the potter's wheel. Why? Because he's, he's molding a masterpiece. So remember, while you're being marred, you're always in the potter's hand. The vessel was marred in the hands of the potter. Then we see the remaking of the vessel. He made it again another vessel. I'm so glad that when the Lord mars a vessel, it's not... It's not fatal. It's not the end of the game. He's able to make us again. I love the song, He's Still Working on Me. Little kid's song, but it's so true. To make me what I ought to be. I'm so glad that he's still working in each one of our lives. And, and we see that he made it again. This uh, Teachers know that repetition is the key to learning. No student gets something on the first pass. We need to hear things multiple times before it sinks in and we grasp a hold of that truth. Repetition is the key to learning. And so he makes us again. And he mars us and he makes us again. And he mars us and he makes us again. And I'm so glad that in this marring of the vessel that he has no throwaways. You go to any potter shop anywhere in the world, and over in the corner is this box filled with what the Bible calls pot shirts. That's broken pieces of pottery. That word only occurs five times in the Bible. But it's, it's broken pieces of pottery, just where a vessel was made, it hardened, and it's got thrown in the potsherd pile, never to be used again. It's just trash to be taken out. I'm glad that when God mars us as vessels on his wheel, there's no throwaways, friend. You're not a throwaway. You're too valuable to him. He loves you. He's investing uh, a lot of resources into molding and shaping you into what he wants you to be. And God has no throwaways. But when he remade it, he made it another vessel. That implies it was a different vessel than the first one. God's not interested in you staying you the way you are today. We need to be less of us and more of him. And he's making us into different vessels, conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. Years ago, I heard a song that uh, an original song written that gave this truth, I'm just not myself anymore. Thank God for the molding, shaping process where he makes us again another vessel after marring us and we're just not what we used to be. That's what the Bible means when God tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's metamorphosis, that process and creation that takes that creepy, crawly, ugly little caterpillar on the ground and turns it into a beautiful butterfly. Metamorphosis, being 
uh, transformed by the renewing of our minds. God's working in you to change you into what he wants you to be. We've all seen those before and after photos, but whether it's a weight loss thing, it shows this person and you look at the, uh, the second photo and wow, it's a totally different person. Or maybe it's a, a beauty product and you look at one picture and then you look at the other before and after and it's, it's like it's a different person. And that's what God is interested in doing in your life and mine, making us into another vessel, a different person, our lives before and after. Verse 4 talks about the plan of the potter as it seemed good to the potter to make it, as it seemed good to him, not to me. God has a will for your life, and God wants to fulfill his will in your life and in mine, and we need to go along with his program, and, and so that may involve some, some weaknesses or some insults or some unmet needs or some people problems or some stress in my life, but if it's going to be as it seemed good to him to make me in what he wants me to be, then so be it, God has a plan. He knows what is best, and he knows the end from the beginning. You and I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now, much less a year or ten years from now. We just don't know. That's why we commit it to him and say, Lord, wherever you want to carry me as a vessel, however you want me to be used as a vessel, I'm putting myself on the potter's wheel, and I want you to make me, Lord, and I want you to mar me so I can be better I want you to remake me into the vessel that you want me to be. And we see in verse 5 and 6, the power of the potter. We'll wrap it up with this. Cannot I do with you as this potter? And the absolute resounding answer is yes. He can do whatever he wants with us. As that potter did whatever he wanted with that clay that was on the wheel. He can make us. And he did make us. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And yes, he can mar us. He can use those unpleasantries that would just rather not happen. Those thorns in the flesh. He can use those to mar us. But we've got to think beyond the thorn to the grace that he gives. We've got to think beyond the marring to the new vessel that he is making, and he can remake us. As the clay is in the potter's hands, so hand, so are ye in my hand. God is sovereign over all the affairs of men. God is absolutely over everything in this universe, and he can take your life and mine and he chooses to hold us in his hand while he's gently and kindly making us what he wants us to be. So I want to challenge you this morning. Acknowledge that he made you. Just recently I came across a video, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not a big uh, video watcher. I'm not a, I, I don't watch the Hollywood shows and America's Got Talent and all, but somehow this this video came up on my phone of this, this fella named Cody Lee. He was the 2019 America's Got Talent winner. Uh, young adult man, um, autistic, 
and he had a lot of facial expressions that were very strange and weird. You know how on America's Got Talent, when they come out, they have the person introduce themselves and tell a little bit about themselves and what they're going to do. He had all these strange facial expressions, and he had all these sounds that he's, he made and these words that he said that were just, it was just really kind of weird. And you could see all the judges sitting there thinking, what in the world? And then he sat down at the piano and began to play and began to sing. And of course, he's of the world. He's not a Christian, so it wasn't doing Christian music. But it was amazing. It was like when he sat at that piano and began to sing, transformed into a completely different person. And, and it was very powerful. He ended up winning the entire season. You know, God made him just the way he made him. And God made you just the way he made you. Embrace that, the fact that he made you. Acknowledge that he made you. And let him mar you. Let him, through weaknesses and insults and unmet needs and people problems and stress in your life, let him use those as part of that marring process. And then through that, let him remake you into another vessel and, and let him fulfill his plan, realize his plan for your life as it seems good unto the potter and thank him for his power as the potter. Yes, he can do with us as the potter did with that vessel on the wheel and as the clay is in the potter's hand. Yes, you are in his hand. Thank God for the potter that we can bring our lives to and allow him to do his will.